a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution forgiven. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins which we're supposed to be conquering have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is is putting to death the old the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. The time has come. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Iron preacher. It's a preach off, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I've been I've been waiting for this, as I mentioned earlier, or I mean, as I will mention later, <laughs> six years. <laughs> six years. Oh, finally now you've got your yoke of ordination around your neck and you are ready to preach off. So it's the big throwdown. Yeah. I'm trying to work myself up into a froth about it, but I just can't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, you know that 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 theme music kind of threw you off. Your, you know that that such terrible. I know, theme music I know. That... This is taking forever. Oh, when is the show going to actually start? <laughs> Ten minutes later. <laughs> oh, that's kind of. I got up. The, by the way the background music for my uh, bump uh, throwdown. Uh, I got the music picked out. Now I just gotta make it short. All right. So you you told me that you wanted our voiceover guy to record some things. I, I was thinking about maybe having him sabotage the recording so that yours your intro isn't as good. Yeah, he'll be he'll be smoking a cigar when he's doing it. <laughs> that it does be better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, uh, so let's let's get some emails. We're gonna forgo some uh, the 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 buzzwords today because we figured it'd be just way too easy to work in a buzzword right in the middle of a sermon. Oh yeah, so too simple. Easy. So we're gonna Dr. Fakinter is gonna come on in the second segment. I'll interview him. You'll write a sermon, then you'll preach, and I'll write a sermon, and then I'll preach, and then he'll judge our sermons. That's coming up starting in the next segment. This time we're just doing email, though. I'm, right? I'm confused. You may have to explain that later to me. I'm just... Wait, All right. Don't worry. I got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, some emails. So uh, I want to respond. I accidentally deleted some emails, including... You, do you remember a few weeks ago you did a, a listener participation game? Yes. Yeah, I don't know where those emails went. Anyway, um, we got an email. We got a couple emails in uh, in response to when we were playing uh, Christian or Secular. Um, you know that that game that you always lose at, um, Christian or yep. secular. Uh, and so, game. in in the last edition uh, of Christian or Secular, we played a song by Owl City, um, which is like this one man band that does all this techno stuff. And uh, and so uh, a lot of his songs have kind of a, a Christian sound to it. So I I put it in the game and played it, and and you correctly identified this song as secular. Uh, but we've got tons wow. of tons of emails about that because, and by ton I mean two. Uh, that uh, <laughs> uh, all of our listeners, yeah, all of our listeners responded on that one because he said, "Oh, wait a minute, this guy is as 
himself a a devoted Christian, but he has a a, a secular label, uh, and so so it's not fair to to play that that song uh, on that game. And this maybe is the point of the whole thing. And there's a reason that we play Christian or secular with music and not dentists or auto mechanics or any of these things. Because when you go to get your teeth cleaned, it doesn't matter if the guy's a Christian or not. He's going to clean your teeth either way. Uh, when the guy's working on your car, it doesn't matter if he's Christian or not because he's going to fix your car either way. But in the entertainment industry... There has, for some apparent reason, this need to divide, well, I am a Christian entertainer, and that is a secular uh, entertainer. Now, I'll tell you, though, I, I do not want some guy rapping to me verses from the Quran, if you were wondering. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not saying that, that all <laughs> entertainment you should engage without without filter. Uh, in uh, fact, I know entertainment you should engage without filter, but... Uh, the, the, but see, there's if they're going to say that we are going to be Christian and not secular, then I think that we should have a standard to hold them to. If they're going to say that, well, then what separates you from those secular singers? And so the point of the game was not so. So Owl City was maybe just an, an, an unfortunate cause, but the point of the game was to not point out that some secular music has Christian sounds to it, which some do, and I just use those to try and confuse uh, the contestant. Um, but the point of the game is to show that that uh, songs done, which way, should <laughs> songs which should be Christian should have something Christian in them, or else you should just be a secular band and then no one would care. Yeah, that's right. Hey, was the song good, by the way? Um, yeah, yeah it's all right. Okay, I don't really like gotcha. that techno stuff. But. Hey, by the way, I'm gonna make a, a church sign that says L U blank R A N. What's missing? You. <laughs> no, no, the. Don't you get it? L U blank blank R. Oh, blank blank. Gotcha. It doesn't make any sense. L U. Sorry. Sorry. I got I, it. I'm thinking of it because I got another email. This is from Australia. Can I read this? Sure. I'm your listener from Australia, another Calvinist, but your straight talking Lutherans might get me eventually. <laughs> uh, in many respects, it's the way the families have failed to live their faith in such a way that it changes the way they do things that's led children to not taking up the faith of their parents. Other than Sundays, faith doesn't seem to touch people's lives. I've seen uh, people who get their infants baptized as Lutherans, not out of any belief in the efficacy of baptism, but almost a superstitious belief that it saves you, and it's enough in itself to keep you out of hell. I should be reading this, by the way, with an Australian accent. Seemingly no, on no, that no, basis, that's okay. children really? of cousins have been baptized mostly to oh, placate gosh. word grandparents. Or Dr. Kleinig's Australian accent. I've been listening to your past episodes. <laughs> that sounds... <laughs> That's pretty bad. Just heard the debate on the resurrection. I really appreciated how well it was conducted for two parties who are so diametrically opposed to be able to debate in such a civil way as a tribute to you guys. Mostly Evan, because I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> um, far too readily, it could have descended into talking over each other. I really like the praise song, Contra Theological Buzzwords. Regards, Andrew from Brisbane, Australia. Thank you, Andrew. All right. Now I have an email for you to, to, to give a uh, response to. It says... Pastor, uh, pastors Wolf Mueller and Gigline. First of all, whoa, look at that! That's amazing. <laughs> first of all, both of your names are unnecessarily difficult to spell, making this email more difficult than it should be. Uh, I'm gonna change my name. I'll report back next week. You too. Uh, we should just take off the last part. I'll be Wolf and you can be Gig. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Way too many Gigly. silent vowels going on. Giggly. <laughs> anyway, I just heard a show that's in just Wolf which, and Giggly. Would you be all right? Executive session. 
Um, anyway, I just heard a show in which Pastor Wolfmuller said that the church was an un- institution. Could he speak more about that? Uh, how is the church not a system of control? After all, with all the laws that the church uses to control people's lives, it seems like a system to me. Thanks for your shows. It distracts me from the pain while I'm jogging or maybe intensifies it. Okay, I've taken you out of executive session. Feel the burn. <laughs> uh, now, an institution is the opposite of a mechanism of control. Uh, now, that's the first thing. So, an, a mechanism of control is precisely uh, the well, – well, I just said this – the opposite of an institution. So, an institution is something that's instituted. And when it's instituted by God, it's instituted that there would be order and gifts so the family is an institution. By the way, institution means something that's instituted. <laughs> Thank so, you. <laughs> you're welcome. So someone comes along, they say, the church is not an institution. And then you say, was the church instituted? And they say, yes. <laughs> well. Hmm. And if they say what, no, what? you're like, ooh, I don't want to go yeah, to your no, church. It's, it's this thing where the, someone it says, well, the church is not a mechanism of control. I, I think that's good. I mean, we got to say that. Uh, how is it not, though? Because there is law. But the law, remember the chief use of the law is to diagnose our problem. It is to show us our sin. The law as a mechanism of control, meaning as a way to give outward discipline, is given, says Paul, to the ungodly uh, so that there would be order in society and people could rejoice in God's gifts. Uh, But that's not for the church to exercise any sort of coercive authority. The church does not possess, as our confessions say, the power of the sword. That is, we do not punish people for acting badly by throwing them in jail or uh, forbidding them to come into the city or whatever. The only power the church has, the only I mean, the way the church can ec- exercise discipline is to say, look, you can't come and eat this body and blood of Jesus. Uh, but that's it. There's no coerciveness. There's, no, um, there, there's, a, there's a particularly weak character to the church. Because whenever God comes to us to save us, he comes in humility and he comes in meekness to do it. And that is reflected in the church. So the church is the particular institution that God established on the earth to beat back the world flesh and the devil by the preaching of the gospel. And that's it. Um, did I answer the question? Yeah, I so, what so instead, instead of uh, when people say, oh, I'm against the church as an institution, I'm going to come back and say, well, I'm against the church as a mechanism of control. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. The church is not a control mechanism. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. And the church is the play, is the house of that freedom. Oh, that's great. That is now, interesting. You have, you have about 30 seconds here. Oh, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I'm going to crush you at Iron Preacher. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that it's interesting that these two are uh, diametrically opposed to each other, right? These, these two, uh, oh, institution and, and mechanism of control, are on opposite ends of each other. Uh, right. So that all those who are saying that the church is not an institution run then that the, that to make the church a system of control. So now church is all about uh, uh, preaching the laws of God, not to bring us to repentance and so that we can be ready to hear the gospel, but now these this church as a, a system of control is is all about preaching the law of God so that you are controlled, so that you're reformed by the laws. And that's not the proper preaching of the law. Right. We are not about control. We are about freedom. The freedom yeah. of the forgiveness of sins. Hey, do you remember when I told you that we were going to read an email about God lying and we didn't get to it? Yes. Just wondering. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio.
Table Talk Radio. Well, we think we're funny. That is the sound of Iron Preacher, and the time has come, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> finally. It is Finally. Time. I've been waiting for 15 years for this. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, but it is time for the Iron Preacher, the Table Talk Radio uh, host preach-off. And uh, it is uh, myself uh, against Pastor Wolf Mueller. We're going to see how it goes. Uh, the the uh, official Table Talk Radio judge for Iron Preacher is on the line. That is... Uh, Dr. Carl Fakentry is professor of homiletics at Fort Wayne, Indiana, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome back, Dr. Fakentry. It's great to be on, Pastor Gagline. Thank you very much. And uh, I guess it's time for our Table Talk Radio Iron Preacher introductions. <laughs> You've been working on this for a while, I know. Straight from the seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Rogue River, Oregon. And recently featured on the cover of the Lutheran Witness. Here he is, Pastor Evan Giglock. Intimidated. I wonder if that was the 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 opening hymn for this for the sermon of Jonathan Edwards in the hands of an angry God. Thunderstorm. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I was just picturing you throwing off your alb, ripping it off <laughs> as you enter the pulpit. Yeah. Well, we need oh, to, we need to, we need to be both sides of the of the preach off here. And now from the pulpit of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, Table Talk Radio's self-proclaimed Iron Preacher. At three wins, four losses, and two ties. Pastor Brian <laughs> Wolfmuller. <laughs> All right. Now, now, now both sides. Three, of... four, and two, huh? That's right. That's not so good. Yeah, that's right. Well, Three, four, and two. Just do something about that record right now. Well, you got a cripple coming up this time, Pastor Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. Uh, uh, Pastor Wolfmuller was wanting to challenge an Iron Preacher, uh, President Matt Harrison. And so I was kind of the preparation for that. Like, I was kind of the, the, the trainee. <laughs> the warm-up before the championship yeah, bout? Yeah, that's right. right. So uh, I understand that's how it goes. All right. Well, without further ado, uh, Dr. Fakinsher, I understand you have a, a gospel pericope set aside for us. I do indeed. This is a text from the Gospels that uh, is less familiar to preaching schedules, but uh, a rather interesting text to work with in itself. The text is Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 through 27. And if I might read that for our, our listeners, Matthew chapter 17, beginning at verse 24. When they came to Capernaum, 
the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, From others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. This is our text. All right, thank you. And I'm going to get to work. Pastor Wolfman, you're going to yep, yep. do the interview? Okay. I got to, uh, you have, so go, uh, uh, potential go. iron preacher. Right away. Uh, I'm going to interview Dr. The way we're going to do this format, I'm going to interview Dr. Fikincher while Evan works on his sermon. Uh, and then I'm going to be in the sound booth uh, while Evan preaches uh, and working on my sermon. No uh, cheating. So, uh, right, right. Uh, when I when my sermon sounds suspiciously a lot like Pastor Gagline's, then uh, you'll have We'll to wonder how soundproof, soundproof the booth really was. So, Dr. Fikincher, I have a question for you. It's kind of a fundamental question about preaching, Please. and it is this. If the scriptures are clear, uh, uh, why do we even need preaching? Why not just stand up on Sunday and read the Bible? Good question. Well, of course, it is true that the Holy Scriptures are are clear. Yes, they are. They were uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit for human beings to uh, put with uh, put down with a pen, and for human beings then to hear and understand and uh, and uh, and grow through grow from. Um, however. It's also true that God's intention in giving the scriptures was that they would be applied to people through the centuries as the needs of the church through the centuries would arise. Um, it, it really is true, and, and there's so much to what Jesus says in, in John chapter 20 uh, when he, he, he says uh, that uh, uh, whoever, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whoever sins you retain, they are retained. Or when Jesus says in Luke chapter 17, uh, he who hears you hears me, actually chapter 10, verse 17, uh, when Jesus says these words, what he's really describing is God's paradigm by which the scriptures, written down at one point in history, actually uh, many different times throughout the, the, down at one point, would then continue to be alive and relevant for each new century. Uh, when Jesus sent out the apostles in, in Luke chapter 10, the reference I made a moment ago, uh, he told them to go and preach the gospel in each, each place, and they were to, uh, to speak to real live people with their own real live voices. And when they would speak, it would be uh, as if Christ himself was speaking. That, of course, always assumes that the words that a preacher proclaims are in every way consistent with Scripture. The pastor never has the, the authority given to him by God simply by his ordination or his call to, uh, to make up his own new opinions or his own revelations or claim something from God that hasn't been given in Scripture. But as long as the pastor is speaking words that are completely consistent with the whole of Scripture, it really is God's own word, Christ's own voice. And that was very much God's intention, God's plan, from the time he inspired the scriptures and even beyond that, uh, so that the words that are timeless in scripture 
would be applied to particular real-life situations thousands of years after the scriptures were written. Um, in the example uh, from John chapter 20, when Jesus talks about retaining or, or uh, um, uh, forgiving, for forgiving or retaining sins, uh, well, that would be applied in this way. Um, a particular individual has a particular sin of which he is guilty, a uh, sin he feels uh, very sorry for, and, and he comes to his pastor and says, you know, I've, I've done this thing, I know this is wrong. When the pastor speaks, he's able to say not just that in general, sins against the sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, when they're repented, are forgiven, but he's even able to say, you now have told me in, in privacy and confidence about a, a sin you yourself have committed uh, against the Sixth Commandment. And uh, to you, it doesn't seem general or theoretical at all. You know that a, a real sin took place in your life with someone else uh, in, in a real situation. And now the pastor is able to say, this particular sin is absolutely positively forgiven by Jesus' death on the cross. And that is a, an individual example in, in, in private confession absolution of what is also true of preaching. When a pastor steps into the pulpit with 200 people or 50 people or 500 people out there in the congregation in front of him, he also studies the scriptures and considers what sorts of sins might be relevant uh, for his congregation. Uh, and then he is able to announce that Jesus' death on the cross has forgiven those kinds of sins that our people, we ourselves, commit in the 21st century, some of which might have been sins that wouldn't have been committed by people in the first century when Jesus was on earth. And yet again, by what Jesus says in, in Luke 10 or in or John chapter 20, uh, the point is, Jesus himself, through the voice of the pastor, is forgiving those sins. So the sermon closes the gap. He, the, the sermon won't let the devil sneak in between God's word and us and say, hey, uh, there's a distance here. No, no, the, God's word is just for us. Exactly. Yep, that's right. Uh, uh, let's check in with our challenger. How's it going over there, Evan? A little busy. All right. Uh, Luther, Dr. Fikincher, says that... That, that was gospel... a revealing response, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm glad to get that window in, into Pastor Gagline's thinking. Yeah, insightful, isn't it? He doesn't yeah, want to give away any yeah. any tips yeah. or hints. That's right. right. Yeah. Well, that's right. He doesn't want to give anything away to you. That's that's right. Good point. <laughs> Luther says the most, uh, the highest art uh, is the art of distinguishing between law and gospel, and he says that that's the most, also the most difficult art. But I, I want, uh, I'd like to reflect on this a bit. How, uh, uh, how do, how are we to understand that the distinction between law and gospel is a difficult distinction to make? Well, that actually dovetails very nicely with your previous question, Pastor, because uh, the distinction between law and gospel is a relatively easy thing to state theoretically. Uh, in Second uh, Timothy chapter three, Paul gives us a nice uh, understanding there of of uh, rightly handling or cutting straight, dividing properly the word of truth. And there are plenty of examples in Scripture of how God's Word condemns these various things as sinful and how he announces forgiveness in Christ. But the challenge in dividing law and gospel rightly that Luther is describing is not the theoretical definitions of them, 
but applying them to the lives and hearts of people right now. It's the very same thing we were talking about uh, just a moment ago, and uh, both in private confession absolution and in proclamation from the pulpit. The pastor, or also a layperson dealing with his husband, wife, friend, uh, has the challenge of knowing God's Word and then knowing the person to whom he or she is speaking and understanding whether right now this is a moment when the person to whom I'm speaking needs to be reminded that he or she is sinful, or whether it's a moment where he or she is already aware of sin, already sorry for sin, and therefore needs to hear the gospel of forgiveness in Christ applied. We're going to we're going to see if Pastor Gagline is going to do that with his sermon uh, when we come back from this break. We'll hear the challenge and his sermon on Luke chapter seven. Sermon on a pretty you ready for that, Evan? Yeah. Have you ever been flipping through the radio and suddenly wonder why you've been listening to something? Well, this is Staple Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Like we are about to hear the inaugural sermon of Evan Gagline. I think is this how this is going to work from now on? Is um, uh, you know how an Iron Chef you get on and you get to pick the person you preach against. So from from this point on, people will come on to Iron Preacher and they'll be able to choose if they want to preach against Iron Preacher Gagline or uh, Iron Preacher Wolfmuller. So uh, this we'll have to see how this goes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Perkincher, are your ears ready? My ears uh, are ready. For, for Pastor Gagline's sermon here on the text, um, uh, Matthew 17, 24 to 27, Jesus' question about uh, paying taxes. Uh, My ears if are you're, tuned If in. you're ready and you're ready to preach, Evan, uh, you I'm can ready. put me in the... All right. We're going to... Put me in the sound booth and uh, and, and and go for it. All right. Uh, I have just turned off then the feed to... Uh, Pastor Wolfmuller, so he can't hear any. So if you have anything, Dr. Perkins, that you want to say about Pastor Wolfmuller, now's the time to do it. This is the moment. Okay. okay. All right. But here, let's let's preach this sermon. Here we go. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. It is said that nothing is certain except death and taxes. Uh, and that's for sure. You know that uh, when April 15th is coming around, you know what time it is. You know what you have to do. You have to get your taxes paid. You got to get them in the mail and send them to the IRS. Well, some things never change. Uh, in, in the time of, of Jesus' day, people were coming, uh, tax, pay, tax collectors were coming to the people, and they were collecting the taxes. But there was a thing about the tax collectors, that they would not only take the taxes which they, they were, the, the citizens owed, but they also took a little off the top for themselves. So if you owed uh, $10 to the state, they would say, your due payment is 15, and they would keep five for themselves. Uh, and and this, this is the response that, that Jesus is responding to when people say, hey, does your master, does he pay taxes? And he brings up a, a, a very interesting line. He asks, he asks Simon, to whom do the kings of the earth collect customs or poll tax? 
from the sons or the strangers? And Peter responds rightly, from strangers. You see that the, these tax collectors were trying to rip them off. They're, they're going to get away with it by, by, by going to the strangers because they're not going to go to their very own sons. And yet from this text we learn that we are sons of God living in the, in the kingdom of this world where God provides for all that we need. There is nothing certain but death and taxes, and that is true, that we all know that death is coming, and we all know that tax season is coming. And there's nothing that you can do about it. If you don't pay your taxes, you can be sure and certain that the uh, government or the, the, the authorities are going to come and, and fine you or maybe even put you in jail if you don't pay your taxes. There are, in this kingdom, responsibilities and laws to, we, to which we are subject to. And there's no avoiding it. There's no getting away from it. You cannot wiggle out of the IRS. Everybody knows this. People try to, to wiggle out of, of speeding tickets with the police. They try to uh, legal tricks with their lawyers, with the judge and the courts. But it's the IRS. Everyone knows if there's one agency you don't mess with, it is the IRS. You can't get away from it. If you don't pay your taxes, you will surely be found guilty and you will be brought uh, you will be brought a, a due punishment. And yet, we also have a responsibility to the heavenly kingdom, that God gives us a divine, a divine law, that we, if we find ourselves afoul of this divine law, then we are guilty. And there's no wiggling out of this one either. In fact, you're more likely to wiggle out of paying your taxes with the IRS than you are to wiggle out of 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 your guiltiness before God for for your sins, and so as the the sons as the earthly uh, authorities would come to you and demand that you are guilty for not paying your taxes and throw you in jail, so also the the God in heaven comes in in wrath and punishment for those times that we have transgressed His holy law and failed to live up to His commands. But what we have in the promise of the gospel. When Jesus took on the, the, the punishment for our sin and died on the cross and bled a, a, a gory death on our behalf, and when we were baptized at the font with God's name placed upon us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with the sign of the cross being placed upon our forehead and our hearts marking as ones redeemed, we were adopted as sons of God. And so because the wrath of God was spent upon his son Jesus, God no longer has wrath for us. Justice has been paid. The debt has been paid. And so now God comes to us not as strangers demanding the, 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 the payment for, for, for the tax, but now he comes to us as sons of God in mercy and grace and forgiveness because nothing can separate us from the love he has for us in Christ Jesus. We are now, Romans says, fellow heirs with Christ. And so we have the same reward as Christ himself at the right hand of the Father. Lord, grant this to us all. Amen. All right, uh, there's a sermon I'm going to bring Pastor Wolfman there back from the uh, the soundproof booth. Are, are you there? Hey, hey okay. I'm here. Are you, now you? That was a quick five minutes to write your sermon. Uh, are, are you? It's are done. You, are you it's ready? It's done. Okay. I just, I just finished it. Just checking Facebook. Well, uh, Pastor 
Dr. Verkincher is completely blown away right now, but we're going <laughs> to... Speechless? <laughs> we're going to hear his honest critique. Although, before he goes, I, I have to say that uh, I'm not too worried because... Um, I honest, had a, but I, not too honest? I, I, had a, <laughs> I had a fantastic professor in the Seminary of Homiletics. I know... <laughs> I know that this is really a reflection of my of my education at the seminary, and I know that uh, that my education didn't let me down. So, Dr. Kincher, without further ado, uh, tell us uh, your critique of my sermon. Well, I think your professor did very well. I think he prepared you very nicely to to preach even on five minutes' notice. Um, there were a number of things that were exactly what I what I delight to see. Uh, first of all, I think you had a very clear theme. We are sons of God living in the kingdom of God. And that, of course, was drawn on the contrast in our text uh, that Jesus draws between uh, the uh, strangers and the sons, the strangers being the ones from whom uh, the masters or the lords of this earth collect taxes. And so you picked up on a, uh, on a textual idea the comparison of sons or strangers, and built that into a, a very nice theme. Then you did a fine job of developing law and gospel under that theme. First of all, the law was based on this idea illustrated in the text of taxation that we can't avoid, and likewise we cannot avoid the divine law. We cannot av avoid our responsibility to the heavenly kingdom. And just as the IRS is going to come, they're going to fine us, they might even put us in jail, uh, if we try to evade our, our federal income taxes, so also we can't wriggle out of the punishment of God for breaking his law. Now, that was a good, solid approach to the law, which picked up the, uh, uh, the textual motif of taxation uh, very, very well. Then the gospel picked up beautifully uh, in answer to that law problem, nicely uh, connected, nicely answering the specifics of the law by using the Son idea. In the promise of the gospel by Jesus' death on the cross and our baptisms, which apply the cross to us, we have been adopted as sons. God is no longer uh, angry with us. You mentioned specifically that the debt has been paid, which again was picking up on the textual motif of taxation. When you talk in financial terms there of debt, and you added from Romans that we are heirs with Christ, which continues the motif of sons. And so a fine, fine job of, of clear theme and law gospel with uh, application that was quite specific for, for this brief time. Obviously more could have been said in a longer sermon, but, but uh, quite pointed and very, very textual. My one um, major suggestion is that in building the mental matrix initially, in the introduction, I thought it was somewhat distracting when you worked with the idea of tax collectors in biblical times taking extra money or ripping off, shall we say, I think those are your words, ripping off the taxpayer, because that, of course, is a, a textual element elsewhere in the Gospels. When Jesus cleanses the temple, uh, two times, actually, in, in John chapter 2 and then also in Holy Week later on, uh, that is very much the issue. In this text, the dishonesty of tax collectors was not the issue, and so uh, it was a little distracting to, to, to hint at going that direction. That didn't really get us as directly to the theme idea as would have been ideal. But that's really my only uh, significant critique, that uh, the straight line to the theme could have been clearer, but once you got to the theme, it was a solid thematic law gospel sermon that was very clearly textual.
All right, let's take a look at the webcam in, in uh, Hope Lutheran Church. I see beads of sweat <laughs> rolling down. Oh, man, is this where Iron Future gets dethroned by his own co-host? Hey, you should be honored with that introduction music. Many, many people have been uh, introduced with that with that theme. Barnum? Music, so. Barnum? And, <laughs> yeah, Barnum Bailey. and his brother, yeah. And his brother Bailey. <laughs> All right. I can't, I can't wait to hear your sermon, but uh, the problem is I have to listen to our show to hear it. Yeah, huh? sorry about that. Yeah, that, that's, <sighs> tough. that's tough. But don't worry, after this commercial break, we're going to be hearing another five minute sermon on the same text Matthew you, you prepared a sermon on Luke right right Pastor yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, another disqualification for the iron preacher <laughs> we're going to hear the iron preacher give his sermon right after this you're listening to Table Talk Radio with Dr. Fincher uh, as our guest we'll right back. thank God for the Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Sorry. Billy Ray was a preacher's son, and when his daddy would visit, he'd come along. When they gather around and started talking, that's when Billy would take me walking. Out through the backyard we go walking. Then he look into my eyes. Lord knows to my surprise, the only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We didn't announce the other little disadvantage that that uh, I have in, in in doing a preach off with Pastor Wolf Miller, and that is that he, on a regular basis, prepares a sermon in five minutes. Uh, so he has a little bit of an edge there too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sunday morning comes around. Was I supposed to do? Oh yeah, I was supposed to write a sermon. Oh so yeah. What are people coming here to the office for? Oh. <laughs> All right. Whenever you're ready, Iron Preacher. Uh, no big Led Zeppelin introduction or anything? No, just no, no. Start? Just, just start? All right. In the name of Jesus, amen. We have a blessed Savior, and we see it in the text here, Matthew 17. Uh, Jesus comes with his disciples into Capernaum, and there's the tax man there. And the tax man asks Peter, does your master pay taxes? And Jesus takes advantage of the situation to teach a marvelous truth. Jesus asks the question, who pays taxes? Do the kings of the earth take taxes from their sons? Do the princes pay taxes? The answer is no. The prince does not pay taxes. The, 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 the citizens of the country pay taxes. The strangers that visit pay taxes. But the prince doesn't pay taxes. And Jesus says, look, I am the son of God. I'm the one to whom all things are created. I am the one who is there in the beginning. I am the one who owes nothing, who is owed everything. Taxes, not for Jesus. The Psalms describe Jesus, and they say, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. Jesus possesses everything, but not to give offense. Jesus has his servant, the fish, bring to Peter the tax so that he can pay it. And this is how it is with Jesus. Jesus is owed everything. He, after all, created everything. The, the hills, the skies, the universe, all were there uh, by his word created. He is owed everything, and he no, uh, owes nothing. But the one who owes everything, our Jesus, demands nothing. 
The one who owes nothing is the one who gives everything. He comes to us sinners. The, the, we who owe God everything we have. We, in fact, owe God an eternity of suffering because of our sin and because of our wretchedness. We would rightly uh, be, be taxed with judgment and, and wrath and, and thrown into hell. And instead of collecting what, what we owe, Jesus instead gives. He gives himself. He gives his life. He gives his dignity. He gives his blood. He gives his everything. For us who owe, we, we are demanded nothing and given everything. All of it is for us, for you, for your salvation. The Son of God, who owes nothing and is owed everything, humbles himself to pay your eternal debt so that he could give to you his eternal riches, his eternal life, his eternal kingdom. This is our Jesus our blessed Savior. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Dr. Perkinger? Uh, not bad there, Iron Preacher. <laughs> that was sweet. Um, <laughs> again, very, very well done. Um, I, a couple of things in overview, first of all, then, uh, then I'll compare the two uh, briefly as well. Um, uh, Do we, should we put Evan in the, also, the sound booth for... <laughs> 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 no, 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 that's okay. I'm just yeah, messing yeah. with you. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Okay, Pastor Wolf Mueller also had an excellent theme of the one who uh, uh, is owed everything and owes nothing, demands nothing, and gives everything. Um, very clear, uh, the, the iterations of the theme in, in several different forms uh, came uh, a number of times in the brief five minutes, so it was very, very clear, very easy to, to get that point. And, of course, that, as I've stressed so many times, is, is really crucial uh, to, to good preaching. Um, the applications, again, were, were pointed. They were for us, for you. Uh, they were very direct to the hearers. And, again, in a, a longer sermon, there would be possibility for some of the things that we owe that are forgiven to be elaborated, but in this brief time, uh, this was quite adequate. Um, the, uh, uh, the textuality, of course, again, was very clear. Um, I would say this. Now, now I, uh, I'll give the comparison. I did like very much the way Pastor Wolfmuller came to Christ as the Son first. Um, Pastor Gegline, in getting us to be the children, heirs, also a wonderfully textual idea, I think equally textual, but of course, the, the fact is, the Son is the one who makes us sons. And to uh, come early in the sermon with Jesus being the Son, I think was a powerful element in Pastor Wolf Mueller's sermon. Um, it, of course, uh, was then applied to us. It wasn't just speaking, exalting Christ uh, apart from us. It was applied to us, but it began very clearly focusing on Christ. Um, the cross was, again, explicit. Uh, the one who uh, was owed everything humbled himself to death. The one uh, who owes nothing gives us eternal riches, uh, so that the application to us was, was very, very clear. Um, uh, this also, then, a solid sermon. The um, 
uh, the movement of the of the sermon from law to gospel was interwoven rather than uh, first part law, second part gospel, as it was in Pastor Gagline's sermon. Both of those are very adequate approaches. Either one can work well, and ideally in preaching from week to week there will be a variety of those, uh, often as the text suggests, uh, to interweave law and gospel or to give law then gospel. Uh, both work very, very well, and so I think in both sermons uh, the law and gospel is very clear. Um, if it's time for a, a, a rendering of decision... Sure, go ahead. I'm going to go with the uh, returning iron preacher, oh. uh, now I think making his record 4-4-2. Four, four I had to get him to 500 anyway, you yeah, see. Yeah, right, that's right. <laughs> Even enough. Um, and oh. I would say at the same time, the uh, sermon by Pastor Gegline, uh not only represents uh, uh, a, a, a solid effort, but certainly also the potential for another iron preacher to, to arise <laughs> and uh, take on future challengers should that opportunity come. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll have iron to... Iron preacher arising. Go, go back oh, to uh, training and then and then come back for a, a rematch uh, here, in the, here in the near future. <laughs> like Rocky II. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Dr. Dr. Frickensher, we have about three minutes left. Um, can you, uh, in, in uh, three minutes, talk about... Um, this and I, I didn't hear your interview. I turned the volume all the way down, so maybe you uh, talked about this with Pastor Wolfmuller. Um, you, you'll still want to hear it again anyway. Uh, yeah, so we'll, that's we'll, right. We'll <laughs> this this uh, Im, uh, importance of, of of properly distinguishing law and gospel. Um, what happens when a, a preacher improperly uh, preacher properly makes that distinction? Uh, the law and the gospel are, are commingled and mixed up. Right. Well, we didn't talk about that before you came on, so so it's a good uh, uh, dovetailing of what we did mention earlier. Um, actually, uh, when law and gospel are confused, uh, the entire gospel potentially is lost. Um, the Word of God, all, all 66 books of the inspired Word and all the proclamation that's faithful to it that has happened since, has always been dependent upon understanding the scriptures as in fact they are, understanding God's communication with us as in fact he does communicate. And that really is a matter of law and gospel. Uh, For example, if it seems from our preaching that the point really is that we should try harder, that we should be more faithful, uh, that we should do this or that or the next thing, which of course the scriptures command us to do, uh, this, that, and many more next things. But if it seems that that is ultimately the point of God's communication, then it really isn't God's Word speaking to us at all, even if, for example, we're quoting the Ten Commandments, which definitely command us to do certain things. Because ultimately, the point of the entire Scriptures is that God is reconciled to us in Christ, that we, from the time of Adam and Eve and ever since, have sinned against God, have alienated ourselves from God, have separated from God, have abandoned God. Nevertheless, God did not abandon us, but came back to us in the person of Christ Jesus and brought us back into that relationship with him by Jesus' death on the cross. That's the point of the entire scriptures. And it's crucial if we are to proclaim God's word in the way God himself has spoken to us, that that ultimately be, ultimately be the point that we make as well. So, for example, here, here's how extreme that can be. 
we can look at other religions of the world. We can look at the Quran, we can look at the sacred books of the Hindus, and so on, and find plenty of examples of things that mankind should do, uh, man to be good, kind, loving, respectful of other, other human beings, and so on, all of which um, the scriptures, the holy scriptures of, of Christianity, the Bible, also would endorse. But if these commands are given out of that context of us having been reconciled to God by Christ's death on the cross, then they are not God's word to us at all. So the difference can be as severe as the difference between the scriptures given to us by the triune God and the, the writings that are deemed to be holy by uh, religions that don't know the true God at all. Now that's extreme, but, but it, I think, makes the point. Yeah, that is a very good distinction. And thank you for coming on Table Talk Radio again and being uh, our judge for Iron Preacher. And, and uh, it's always a joy to have you uh, make this distinction clearly for us between law and gospel. It's a delight. Thank you, Evan. All right, and uh, thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio, and uh, congratulations to the Iron Preacher uh, to reaching 500. Hey, thank you. All right, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. (laughs) Where the points are like, take comfort of them, the points are like your Iron Preacher record. You've been listening (laughs) to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.